1: Today, Stone Cold Steve Austin is on the show talking about whooping ass and washing his laundry in cold water. We've got WrestleMania matches up the wazoo. Did Rhea Ripley deserve the shot that she got? What are the pasts of the participants in the WrestleMania matches that were announced on SmackDown? And a whole lot more. This is Not Sam Wrestling.
0: is not Sam
2: wrestling. Introducing your host from New York. Here is
0: Sam
1: Roberts. Hey, happy not Sam wrestling 336. Hope everybody's doing good. Hope everybody's doing well. Let's get things started. Before we go any further, let me uh take care of some a little bit of house cleaning. Uh first of all, I don't know if you saw but on Twitter, uh, at the end of the week, maybe over the weekend, I don't know, maybe on Friday, I posted a, a link on my Twitter account, at NotSam to what I called a new project, which is the video version of the Not Sam Wrestling podcast. If you've noticed, I've kind of, without mentioning it, changed the format, tweaked the format of Not Sam Wrestling a little bit. We've done that over the course of the last several years. I just kind of changed things up every now and then to better reflect the show that I would like this show to be. And and the, the basic format of the show now is I jump on here for an hour or so, 45 minutes to an hour monologue to start the show with everything that's on my mind in current day wrestling. And then we send it to an interview. The interview can be an hour long. The interview today is much, much shorter than that because that's the amount of time that we got with the Texas Rattlesnake, Stone Cold Steve Austin. But that's basically... The format and a lot of the interviews, almost all the interviews eventually end up at youtube.com slash not wrestling. This show has its own YouTube page apart from the not Sam YouTube page. YouTube.com slash not wrestling is where all the content related to this show ends up. Sometimes the videos go up a week or two or more after they're on the podcast. Of course, you get first cut, you get first access to them. On our Patreon page, patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. Well, on that YouTube page, youtube.com slash notsamwrestling, the video version of the Not Sam Wrestling podcast uh, came out. What it basically is, is it's this part of the podcast. It's the monologue portion of the podcast uh, with a lot of production elements added to it. Photos, transitions, all all that stuff, just to make it a little bit more appealing so it's not just a steady shot of me sitting here at a desk. Um, What does that mean for the people on Patreon, you might ask? Because one of the benefits of, there's many benefits to being a Not Sam show, but one of them is that you get exclusive access to the video of this portion of the podcast. So look, the video version of Not Sam Wrestling that will appear every week on the Not Sam Wrestling YouTube channel will not be the entire show. Like, this part won't make it onto YouTube. There'll be other elements that get cut out. We'll probably cut more as we go, just to make it feel like it's got more of a flow to it. So still, the only place that you'll get the entire podcast on video is patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. The only place that you'll be able to watch the show be taped live from the Not Sam studio and then interact... With the show, after we're done taping, we do a Q&A, we talk to the Discord room, is still patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. But if you're not a Patreon type, if you don't want to be a not-Sam shill, that's no problem. And even if you are a not-Sam shill, this is actually just going to be an added bit of content that we're putting up for free over at youtube.com slash notsamwrestling. So whether you're a shill or not on Patreon, go to youtube.com slash notsamwrestling Make sure you're subscribed, and every week, a day or two after the podcast drops on Monday, the video version of Not Sam Wrestling will be up at YouTube.com/slash/NotSamWrestling. So I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited to watch that grow. You know, it's going to be almost an extension of what we did on the WWE Network, uh, and it'll have its home there on the Not Sam Wrestling YouTube channel. So I'm excited for you all to see that. Uh, I'm excited this week. We did have some more action figure pickups, you know, I got, uh, I'll say this. I did make a little bit of light of Mattel's bald Shawn Michaels figure that was debuted a couple of weeks ago. I'm still going to get it. I still stand by everything I said, but I was able to get my hands on the new Mattel elite angel Garza figure. First of all, it reminded me that I want a lot more angel Garza on TV than I'm getting now. But uh, one of my Instagram accounts that I follow, I think it was Fig Heel. Fig Heel always does a good job in his stories. I shouldn't even be telling you this, but he posts in his stories when stuff hits Amazon because, you know, the newer Mattel figures will hit Amazon real quick, and then they'll be sold out immediately, and then you have to pay $60 if you want to get them on Amazon. I can't do that. But a couple of weeks ago, I'm just scrolling through Instagram, the story comes up, Fig Heel, click it. Boom, Angel Garza, 1999, right now on Amazon. Be dialing, people. Be dialing. So I went to Amazon right away. I got it, came in the mail this week. And I'm going to tell you this right now. And this is, first of all, the Mattel Elite line, everybody knows by now, is the greatest line in the history of professional wrestling action figures. But when I tell you that Mattel has perfected tearaway pants on an action figure, I am not speaking in hyperbole. I mean, there are Velcro strips running down both legs. The middle part is connected, so you don't have like these two unmatching sides of pants. They fit him properly, but you can make him mid match tear his pants off the way he did in NXT. I mean, it is perfect. Mattel, after all these years, has perfected tearaway pants in professional wrestling action figures. So, three cheers for Mattel's elite line, hashtag WWE elite squad, because there ain't no, I've seen, I know New Japan's got their own action figure line. I know AEW's got their own action figure line. Everybody's got their own action figure line now. Boutiques have action figure lines. Nobody's doing tearaway pants the way Mattel's doing tearaway pants. And that's why I stay loyal. It really is a great figure. I love that. And I also love, um, speaking of boutique figures, so there's this uh, action figure line line really, like, the first professional wrestling figure line, I think, it predates LJN, WWE, WWF, was in Japan. Popey, P-O-P-Y. In 1981, they came out with these series of, like, I don't know, five-inch vinyl action figures that they had articulation in the arms. But it was... American and Japanese stars from Japan. They had like it was the first Hulk Hogan action figure. It was the first Bob Backlund action figure. Antonio Inoki was in the set. I think Tiger Mask is in the set. But there's this uh, Instagram. I, well, I guess they have a website too, but I know them from Instagram. Uh, junk shop dog, and they've basically they've taken that Popey line because there's only one series of them, and they're like impossible to get. There's an Andre the Giant one, but even loose. They go for like three hundred dollars plus, depending on the figure you're looking for on eBay. And carded, I mean, you're talking about six to seven hundred bucks on the low end. But they've decided to continue the line. They're they're literally creating their own wrestling figures that line that that are to scale and look like those original poppy figures. And they 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 put the first figure out a while back, Bruiser Brody. And at first, I was like, man, that is cool. But I don't know if I need to add more to the collection. They're also in Australia, so you got to pay for shipping from Australia. I don't know how long it's going to take. Uh, maybe I'll skip it. Then they announce that the next figure they're going to be doing in their line, which is called Sofubi, the next figure they're going to be doing in their line is Bull Nakano. And you guys know by now what a ridiculous Bull Nakano fan I am. So it's like, I'm going to get the Bull Nakano figure when it comes out. I'll have the bull Nakano and I'll regret not having the bruiser Brody. So I did order the bruiser Brody and I couldn't believe like within a week, this thing, you see it on my desk. If you're watching live, this thing was at my door from Australia and it is perfect. They designed the carding in a way that you can take them out of the box and put them back in the box. So you don't have to worry about that depending on what kind of collector you are. And it's like, it's perfect. It's like this. It, it it feels like a brand new Bruiser Brody figure from 1981. I don't have any of the original Popey figures. I would love to at some point. I don't have any now. However, if I did, it's like how Mattel does the retro figures. And you can put Mattel's retro fig- figures right with your Hasbro figures, and they fit right in the collection. This uh, junk shop dog did it with Popey figures, and they're just, I mean, I just love this Bruiser Brody so much, so. I'm pretty excited about that. But let's get into what's going on in the world of wrestling, okay? Enough of this uh, palaver. Let's get into it. I'm watching SmackDown. And matches are getting announced like crazy for WrestleMania. They got two nights of WrestleMania to fill and only a couple of weeks to do it. And we talked about it on the podcast how we were going to probably see an uptick in this stuff happening going forward. So we got... Daniel Bryan officially added to the main event of night two of WrestleMania. Roman Reigns, Edge, Daniel Bryan. I think a lot of us saw it coming. I think it was pretty obvious the way the match at Fastlane ended. But I also, I kind of like that they decided to tell a story that lasted the length of SmackDown. That's what I'm looking for. Like, there are so many things that happen in wrestling that I never understand why the option to tell a story is not exercised. So often they just go like, okay, well, this is where we're going. So let's just announce that we're going there. And it's like you could have told a story with it, but you decide not to. And I never understand deciding not to tell a story. And I watch and I see things that you're like, well, you could have just put some steps in just over the course of this one episode of television. I'm not saying you have to draw this out for weeks and weeks and weeks, but even over the course of the three hours of Monday Night Raw, the two hours of SmackDown, basically exactly what we saw on SmackDown. That's the type of stuff I like to see. And I mean, like, you know where it's going. It doesn't necessarily surprise you, but you want it to go where it's going. And so when it does, it still feels good. Like Daniel Bryan suggesting, well, why don't you have Edge and Roman on night one? And then the winner of that match faces me. Now, I knew that that wasn't going to happen because... That makes Daniel Bryan non-sympathetic. That gives Daniel Bryan almost like a heels advantage. Now you've got ultimate underdog Daniel Bryan going into night two of WrestleMania to face somebody who just had a main event match the night before, right? That completely, you would never do that. Like I saw some people asking, why wouldn't you just do that? Why would you get us excited? I love that idea. That's, it would be a terrible idea because you wouldn't feel the way you're supposed to feel about Daniel Bryan. The whole appeal of Daniel Bryan is that he's this underdog. The whole appeal of Daniel Bryan is that the, the, he's got his back against the wall. The world is against him, and he's got to fight through everything. If the main event of WrestleMania is Daniel Bryan just getting to sit and watch Edge versus Roman Reigns tear each other apart, and then he gets to go to WrestleMania tomorrow fresh as a daisy, and face the winner. Now, you could do some Lex Luger, Bret Hart stuff and give Daniel Bryan a real tough match with, like, I don't know, make him fight Jay Uso or somebody like that on night one, and that way there's still that disadvantage. But then two nights of WrestleMania completely become about Daniel Bryan and whoever he faces on night two of WrestleMania, and it makes everybody else on that show secondary. The beauty of doing it over two nights is you can have literally two main events. Without choosing which one is better. I mean, technically, you'd go, well, the Sunday main event is bigger than the Saturday main event. And it's like, okay, but still, it still counts, I think. It's just a lot of, of that. And then you have to declare that one of those three is less than the other two. The beauty of a triple threat is that everybody can still come out clean. The champion can lose a title without ever getting pinned. The champion can retain a title without actually beating the number 1 contender. You know, the 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 number 1 Edge could get speared by Roman Reigns only to have Daniel Bryan pin him. Edge could spear Roman Reigns and then Bryan sneaks up behind Edge and gets him. So there's there's the whole beauty of a triple threat is you can tell a story where nobody is all that damaged leaving it. And so all three men can still leave with credibility and and stories can be told. Amongst all three. Ideally, when you leave a WrestleMania main event, if it's a singles match, you have a declarative winner and a declarative loser. When Seth Rollins cashed in at WrestleMania 31 and the match became a triple threat halfway through the match, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar both could sit there and say, that wasn't what I signed up for. I deserve more. I had him beat. I had him beat. I don't know who this Rollins guy is. Rollins didn't deserve it, and Rollins can run away with the title. Nobody is damaged, especially not the fans. We loved it, in that scenario. So that's why you go to and you have a triple threat instead of having an eliminator style, for many other reasons, right? And when Roman, when Roman tells Adam Pierce, "You've got me for one night and one title defense, and that's it you know, towards the, in the first hour of SmackDown. I mean, you know, immediately, like I, I literally looked at my wife and I said. They're going to at the end of the night, say, Roman, you are going to be defending it once against Edge and Daniel Bryan. And my wife was like, oh, really? And I'm like, oh, I feel so smart. But we all knew in a good way. We all knew and we were all ready for it. And when it actually happened, it was like, hell, yes. So now Daniel Bryan gets added to the main event of night two of WrestleMania. I have no doubt that'll be the main event of night two. Night one, we can have a discussion about, but night two, I have no doubt that that will be the main event. We also have Seth Rollins and Cesaro added to WrestleMania. Again, you don't have to have story going into this match, but they added story, and I appreciate that. The idea that you have, like, that that was great. Seth Rollins feeling disrespected The really the hypening up of the swing, the fact that not only is it a Cesaro specialty, the fact that not only is it effective, the fact that not only does it showcase who Cesaro is, but that it is now a humiliation. It is a way to humiliate a heel. Seth Rollins has now said, the one thing that I don't want is to be spun. And here comes Cesaro with that spin it's great it's perfect it now becomes not only a move but a storytelling mechanism and so when Seth Rollins goes I will I never it'll never happen to me again and Cesaro right there backstage and it's crazy to do it backstage you know the floor is hard there's all this stuff around there's boxes and carts and crates all around you what a spectacle But I thought that was great. And now it's like, okay, I'm interested in this. Not only are we going to get to see a match that's just going to be a great wrestling match. But it's got a reason for being. There's an investment. Cesaro is sitting there going, I'm finally going to prove to you why I deserve to be on this stage. And Seth Rollins is sitting there going, I won't allow myself to be humiliated. Seth Rollins is basically saying, without saying, I'm a main event guy. I can't be humiliated. WrestleMania is my showcase. And Cesaro is sitting there going back to the Vince McMahon Stone Cold interview on the WWE Network pre-peacock. I call it pre-cock. Maybe I shouldn't call it that. But years ago, the brass ring stuff, we're finally cashing in on it. And we're going to see at WrestleMania how 25,000 fans back in an arena for the first time in over a year respond to the fact that Cesaro has a one-on-one singles high-profile match at WrestleMania, then they do a real smart thing. The WWE goes, Kevin Owens is always great. We don't have anything specific for him right now coming off of that Roman angle. Not only is Sami Zayn always great, but he's even better now because of the whole entertainment aspect. Right? The, the, The Sami Zayn, as a heel, as a conspiracy victim with a documentary crew, the whole thing has just been working. It's an exciting thing when Sami Zayn shows up for a segment on SmackDown. You know it's going to be good. So why don't we do what we know will work? Why don't we put Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens back in the ring together? And boom, boom, here we are. And it's going to answer another one. It's going to be great. Maybe Kevin Owens will fulfill his dream of doing a flip off the off the pirate ship that's right there in Raymond James Stadium. Hopefully, right onto Sami Zayn if there ever was an opportunity and it's really interesting. Like the thing about Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn is you could make this a blood feud. You could sit there and 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 create a a narrative where you're like this match is 15 years in the making. This is Batman versus Joker. This, these two are attached cosmically. Or you could just be like, yeah, they're bickering, so they're going to have a match at WrestleMania, and it's going to be real, real good. That's the beauty of Kevin, Ains, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. You call them Kevin Zayn because they are attached like that, and they can work in that style. Sami Zayn could be the sympathetic good guy. Kevin Owens could be a badass good guy. Kevin Owens could be a, 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 a hellaciously evil bad guy. Sami Zayn could be the whiny evil bad guy. You know, there's, you could go in any direction with both of them because they're so talented. But I'm sitting there, and in one night, I see Seth Rollins versus Cesaro added to WrestleMania. I see Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn added to WrestleMania. I see Daniel Bryan added to the main event of WrestleMania. And I sit and I think about the nights that I spent in buildings like the Hammerstein Ballroom in Manhattan in New York City a block away from Madison Square Garden and i watched Claudio Castagnoli and i watched Tyler Black and i watched Kevin Steen and El Generico who i do i think they has some relation to Sami Zayn and Brian Danielson tear the house down and this generation of talent in ring of honor that has come over to the WWE and and evolved into WrestleMania superstars, and I just get happy about it because that era of Ring of Honor, that kind of end of the first decade-ish, beginning of the second decade of the 2000s in Ring of Honor, is so good. It's no wonder I like Ring of Honor. When you really look at the talent, it's almost like the CM Punk generation up until the Adam Cole generation. That whole group of talent, like so much of the talent that Ring of Honor had in that period of time ended up graduating and going on to the WWE. And WWE is, has kind of done that with other places. You know, they, they a little bit with TNA a couple of years ago. It seemed like a lot of people were coming over from TNA or Impact or whatever it was at the time. Um, I think more recently, when you look at the people who've come into NXT, you're looking at a lot of people coming through Evolve. You know, the Matt Riddles and the Keith Lees and the Malcolm Bivens and the Leon Ruffs and, the, the, you know, that whole crew coming over from Evolve. But I don't know that there's been any group. And, you know, PWG has a lot to do with it as well, right? Like a lot of those Ring of Honor stars, not like the CM Punk era, but a little bit after that, you know, like the uh, Undisputed Era era the Kyle O'Reilly's and the Adam Cole's and the Roddy Strong's and the, and the, well, I guess even the Matt riddles and the Timothy Thatcher's like all those guys came through uh pro wrestling gorilla as well. But when you look and that's why, I mean, I really think that that's an investment that WWE should make is, is, is buying out the older tape library of ring of honor. I mean, ring of honor had their uh, 19th anniversary pay-per-view over the weekend. And I think years one through 15 sell all that tape to WWE. I mean, I guess then they could be like, Hey, Peacock, we just bought 15 years worth of ring of honor tapes. You want more stuff for Peacock? And they'd be like, yeah, I guess so. I don't, I guess I don't know what you'd do with it now, but WWE still owns all the footage that's on Peacock. I mean, the game is owning the footage and then figuring out what to do with it. Right. I mean, even if you're not putting up full shows, even if you're just using the footage, to make, you know, incredible best ofs or incredible documentaries. There's still a lot there, you know, just because so much talent came from there and you're looking at it. When you look at the WrestleMania card, it's incredible. And I was thinking about the future of Ring of Honor too. And and, and I mean, I, I was such a fan of Ring of Honor in that era that I, I'm fully ready for them to get back to that place. I think that that they took a hit at the beginning of AEW because, I mean, realistically, Ring of Honor went through a period of time where the real draw in Ring of Honor was the Bullet Club and their partnership with New Japan. So when everybody in the Bullet Club and the Elite start their own promotion that's not Ring of Honor, and when you're starting to see a a partnership blossom between AEW and new Japan. That's not the best news in the world for ring of honor. It's time to start thinking more about talent, I think. And there's a lot of it, you know, Dan Housen is great. Dalton castle. It would appear he did a promo. I saw for the 19th anniversary at the pay-per-view. It seems like he's sticking with ring of honor. Roosh is over there. Uh, you know, there, there, there's still a bunch of people in ring of honor that are really, really good. But I think as, shows start opening up as, a, as as events start opening up and we're able to have fans in attendance again. I think that Ring of Honor needs to do everything in their power to become the top dog of the independents again. And I think, I, I don't know what their financial situation is. So like, I could come up with every idea in the world. Like, why do not you just give a ton of money to this person, ton of money to that person? And they're like, well, Sam, if you had a ton of money you could give us, That would be helpful. What can I do, right? I don't know the finances of anything. I'm a wrestling fan, not a business fan. So, but I do think that talent is going to be where it's at. I mean, talent and storytelling, ultimately. And I think as you're looking at WWE having an incredibly full roster, as you're looking at AEW having an incredibly full roster, there are going to be, as big as those rosters are, there's still more wrestlers than there are spots. So there's going to be people that have the ability to make a huge difference that are looking for a home. If I'm Ring of Honor right now, I'm doing everything I can to get both Andrade and Zelina Vega. I plead with you, Ring of Honor, get Andrade and Zelina Vega on Ring of Honor TV immediately. Make them, the first time Ring of Honor is back in front of fans, Andrade should be there competing for the Ring of Honor championship of the world. If that is your first match that you're able to do in front of fans, whatever building you happen to be in, that is a mark to say we're, 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 we're here to, to make a statement. We're here to make a difference. I would love to see. I mean, personally, like, I was thinking about that a lot. I was like, okay. Because we didn't really get to talk about it. I was recording the podcast last week. And as soon as I hit stop, my Twitter lit up. And they say, well, Andrade got his release. And I was like, oh, of course. Of course. And then everybody knows I'm a big Andrade fan. And I was thinking about it more. My first thought was, Ring of Honor needs to do whatever they can do to scoop this guy up. My second thought was... How great would it be if Andrade showed up on TakeOver with Zelina? I want to see, and, and whether it's with Andrade or whether it's with somebody else, you know, wrestlers and their releases and their contracts are, it's 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 getting back to where it was in the late 90s, where everybody, I mean, that was the biggest, wrestler contract gossip was the best. In the late 90s. Because you didn't know. Oh somebody's going to leave WCW. They're going to come to WWE. They're going to leave WWE. They're going to come to WCW. They're going to join the NWO. This person's an ECW. Like people going from spot to spot. Was a big deal. And you can probably only pull this off. Super effectively once. You could do it more than once. But you can. The shock factor. Will only last once. But if you have somebody. That everybody loves. But they just don't have a spot on Raw or SmackDown. They just don't. They're just, whatever it is. On the main roster, it's just like, wow, well, I don't know. We just don't have a spot. And they go on Twitter. And they announce that they've asked for their release. And they don't get it at first. And then WWE announces that they've been given their release. And then at the next TakeOver, they show up on NXT. And Mr. Regal says, well, when this person became a free agent, when they were released from their WWE contract, we came to them and said, well, why don't you become an NXT superstar? And it's, it's, it's the next level of storytelling that you're already doing with Finn Balor in a way, right? Because Finn Balor has normalized this idea that you could be on the main roster and decide that NXT is the spot for you and go and win the championship and become the biggest star in that brand. NXT is on USA in prime time every single week. Takeovers are back to being the best wrestling shows in the world. I love the idea of somebody, and you could have any, any list of guys. I don't know where Keith Lee has been. You know, I mean, I don't know if there are health things, I, and that's the other thing. Like I always say, I said I want Angel Garza back on TV. I want Alistair Black back on TV. I don't know why they're not on TV. I don't know if it's because there's nothing for them. I don't know if they're injured. Uh, I don't know if it's a choice on their part. You know, I, I don't like to assume these things because I don't know. I'm not there. I'm just a guy on my couch watching the TV and noticing who's there and who's not. But, I mean, how great would it be if Alistair Black goes on Twitter and asks for his release? Maybe even does a podcast interview and is like, well, I just wasn't happy not being used. Or, you know, I mean, really make it seem like it's a thing. Especially with Andrade, just be like, there's no uh, non-compete. Announce that there's no non-compete. But don't like officially announce it on the WWE Twitter account. Just let that get out there on the internet. And then he shows up on NXT and he's decided, you know, I didn't have I was a wrestler without a contract. I could go anywhere I wanted, and here I am in NXT. It'd be awesome. You know, when Raw and SmackDown, when that brand separation first became a thing, the idea was to have real competition. The idea was to have two WWE shows with completely separate identities, separate writing teams, separate looks, separate rosters, separate everything. And that these two shows would compete with each other and the competition would in turn bring out the best in each show. I love that as an idea. It's tough to do when, you know, you have a common person ultimately running both shows. And realistically, both shows are designed to benefit the same bigger brand. NXT has effectively, while growing into a legitimate third brand in WWE, separated themselves from the main roster. Separated themselves by not participating for the most part, in WWE pay-per-views, having their own pay-per-view specials, NXT takeovers, having their own unique... Look, they're not in the Thunderdome. They're in the Capitol Wrestling Center. Having a roster where NXT guys do not show up on Raw and SmackDown, for the most part, and when a Raw or SmackDown superstar shows up in NXT, it's a big deal, and there's always a legitimate reason. NXT is a different universe than Raw or SmackDown, to the point where when an NXT superstar debuts on Raw or SmackDown, there is a repackaging. There is a new level of familiarity that or or work on adding a level of familiarity because the assumption is that a lot of the audience isn't going to know who they are. And that's because it's a completely separate brand. So why not? Further that separation. Why not create this world in which when a WWE superstar is released from their contract, they could end up in NXT. I, I, I love that idea. Why not? I mean, you know, the internet's going to be talking about it. You know, that people are going to be gossiping about it. I'd say cash in on that. Whenever you, whenever I see people gossiping about stuff, whenever I see, you know, people buzzing about stuff, I think about how could a wrestling company use this to their benefit? And I say create a storyline around it. Create a storyline that adds it. And, and don't like, and it's not about having somebody show up in NXT for two weeks, then they're back on the main roster and it's just a device. It's, no, this is how we moved this person from the main roster over to NXT. That way it doesn't look like a demotion. It looks like they asked for their release, they got it, and then Triple H decided to sign them to NXT, and they agreed to sign to NXT. They wanted to work for Triple H, and who knows? Down the road, maybe you do develop some kind of rivalry between Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you don't even have to. Maybe it just exists as a separate product. But I I do think that a story like that could further the idea that it is a separate product. Speaking of WrestleMania matches that were announced, of course, Monday on Raw, Charlotte wasn't there. It was announced on Raw that she had uh, coronavirus, that she had COVID. Um, I don't know if she'll be back on Raw tonight or not, but she was gone for one week. And while she was gone, Asuka has a match with Peyton Royce. She beats Peyton Royce. After And I like that they were bringing forward a story that was started on Raw Talk. Peyton Royce cut this promo on Raw Talk. that got a lot of buzz on the internet. So they brought that promo forward, and they gave her her match with Asuka on Raw. And a lot of people were talking about it. So then Rhea Ripley comes out. It was announced she was going to debut. This is the time that she decides to debut, and she decides to step up and ask for a WrestleMania title match. Adam Pearce didn't come out and say, hey, I can't make this match. He basically said, all right, if you guys want it, you can have it. Asuka accepted it, and boom, a graphic is made. A graphic is made. It might as well be carved into granite. Asuka versus Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania. And that leaves us in a position where we simply may not have Charlotte at WrestleMania. Right, If there's going to be another women's match, it would probably be a tag team championship match involving Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. That could still get added, but who would Charlotte tag with? Asuka's been her tag team partner, and Asuka is occupied defending the Raw Women's Championship. So I can't see her in a match like that. You know, I I kind of feel like it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world as far as Charlotte is concerned. I'm going to get into Rhea Ripley in a second. But as far as Charlotte is concerned, and you all know what a big Charlotte fan I am, I think that Charlotte is underrated, if anything. I think that the uh, the, the negative feedback that Charlotte gets sometimes or this real idea that some fans have that she gets handed everything or she's in the main event scene of the women constantly. or There is this feeling, I think, among some fans that Charlotte gets every opportunity and it makes it so other women don't get it. And there is some resentment towards Charlotte for that. But the fact is, Charlotte loses a lot of matches. And I think that's because it's, it's almost taken for granted, for lack of a better term, how good she is. And I think the WWE just goes, well, Charlotte can afford the loss and she loses a lot. That's why she's had so many title runs. Because she holds the title for a week, she loses it. Which probably drives Charlotte insane. I think if you ask Charlotte, would you rather have 11 title reigns or would you rather hold the title for a good two years? I think she would probably say, I'd love to hold that title for a couple of years. And I wouldn't blame her. I know I would if I were a competitor. I'd I'd rather have one reign as champion and have the title forever. I'd rather be Walter than be somebody that wins and loses and wins and loses and wins and loses. I'd want that Walter Pete Dunn record where you just hold on to the title forever. But all that said, there's a lot of talent in the women's division right now and a lot of new talent coming in. I feel like it's been tough for Asuka to break through as far as she's capable of breaking through because of stars like Charlotte And Becky Lynch being there, and Ronda Rousey being there, and I I mean Asuka somehow, and then you got Bailey, and you got Sasha Banks. It's it's Asuka's got to fight through a lot of noise to get the focus on her. Then you've got the new talent. You got Bianca Belair. You got Rhea Ripley. You got everything going on in NXT right now. It's a lot, and I think that this might be. A good WrestleMania. Now, of course, there's always the idea that she may end up being added as a triple threat. Same way she was added at WrestleMania two years ago in the what could have been a Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey singles match became a triple threat. Uh, I think a lot of that was because it was going to main event WrestleMania and they wanted to add a little bit of star power in there. A little bit more, I should say, star power in there. But, of course, there's the idea that she could theoretically she could be added to either match, right? There is this world in which Charlotte gets added to the SmackDown Women's Championship match, and there is this world in which Charlotte gets added to the Raw Women's Championship match, and either one of those becomes a triple threat, much like the Universal title matches become. I hope it doesn't. As much as I love Charlotte, I hope that this is the WrestleMania that Charlotte is not on. And I hope that Charlotte spends the next year dominating. I would love to see Charlotte enter the women's battle royal on the kickoff show of either one of the two nights and win the battle royal on the kickoff show. And win the battle royal, so she wins it. And I would love to see Charlotte spend the next year rebuilding. I'd love to see Charlotte not win the Battle Royal because she's still Charlotte. But not only not be in a championship match at WrestleMania. I'd like to see her spend a year away from the title. I'd like to see if we can build up an appreciation for Charlotte. That leaves us at WrestleMania 38 going, just put the title on Charlotte and leave it there. That's where it belongs. I think that this, long-term, it could go a long way for Charlotte if she's not in a women's title match at WrestleMania this year. We'll see what happens. It could all change within hours of you listening to this podcast. By the time you're listening to this podcast, it could have changed already on Monday Night Raw this week. But as I sit here right now, that's my feeling. Now, as far as Rhea Ripley getting the shot against Asuka, I just said a minute ago when we were talking about NXT that people, usually some work is done to get the audience familiarized with a talent that they might not be familiar with because they don't watch NXT. They watch Raw and SmackDown. NXT is a separate thing. That work is not necessarily being done for Rhea Ripley. Rhea is going straight to the Raw Women's Championship match at WrestleMania. Now, ultimately... We know Rhea had a title match at last year's WrestleMania. Rhea was in the final two at this year's Royal Rumble. Rhea had a, a, a showcase at Survivor Series a year ago, a year and a half ago at this point. Like, Rhea's debut on the main roster is something that people have been waiting for for a long time. People are familiar with Rhea Ripley. And she's also, she's got this look and this presence that even if you're not necessarily familiar with her, The minute you see her, the minute you see how she carries herself, the minute she steps into the ring and looks at Asuka, you're not sitting there going, how did this person get the main event of WrestleMania? You're sitting there going like, this person already looks like the main event of WrestleMania. And then you can go back to last year and see her match with Charlotte. And then you can look at the run she had in NXT. I mean, you can listen to Triple H when he says that in, you know, the not too distant future, Rhea Ripley is going to be looked at as one of the top talents in the professional wrestling industry. Per I here's what I would have changed to kind of get this out of the way. I think instead of having Asuka beat Peyton Royce and then having Rhea Ripley come out and challenge Asuka. I would have had Peyton Royce come out and then Rhea Ripley is the one who gets the match with her. Peyton Royce comes out demanding her opportunity and Rhea Ripley comes out, beats Peyton Royce, kicks the garbage out of Peyton Royce. And once Rhea, what, now we've seen her on Monday Night Raw. She's got a victory under her belt. We've seen what she can do. She beats Peyton Royce. Then she calls out Asuka. She tells Asuka to come to the ring. She points to the WrestleMania sign, and that's when Asuka accepts. I think if Asuka had accepted a challenge from Rhea Ripley after we watched Rhea beat Peyton Royce, as opposed to after we watched Asuka beat Peyton Royce, I think that little tweak would have made it much more organic. I I think it would have worked a little better for me had that happened. But still, I'm not sitting here, you know, pretending like I don't understand it. Now, a graphic went up going, uh, who do you think should main event WrestleMania? Night one, should it be uh, Drew versus Bobby, or should it be Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair? Night two, should it be Edge versus Roman at the time, now it's the triple threat, or should it be Oscar versus Rhea Ripley? I don't think there's any debate. At night two, clearly the main event should be Brian versus Edge versus Roman Reigns. I mean, however that goes, that's what you close WrestleMania with. That's the big match. You know, we hearken back. I, I can't wait to see what the video package looks like for that. You've got Roman Reigns, who I don't think they'll build sympathy for. I mean, you could. You could talk about the fact that this guy was the champion, had to relinquish the title because he had cancer, came back from cancer more dominant than ever had to leave again to protect his family because he had a compromised immune system because of the cancer during COVID, returned, became the hottest star in the industry, and has not only become the universal champion again, but has become the defending universal champion walking into the main event of WrestleMania. You have Edge, who was not supposed to be here, who was not supposed to ever be in a wrestling ring again, who is now back, after winning the Royal Rumble, but has a chip on his shoulder and is here to fulfill a dream that we never thought would happen. And then you have Daniel Bryan, who hasn't been in a WrestleMania main event since he'd shocked the world, since he changed the world at WrestleMania 30. And all three of them are going head to head to head. You could justify any one of those three Winning the title in that match. You do not walk into that match knowing what's going to happen. But you do walk in knowing that realistically you could see any of those three. Leaving WrestleMania as champion. And that's money, baby. That's what you want to see. Now over on night one. I want to see, and I talked about this in depth on Thursday, Not Sam Thursday. The Patreon exclusive Not Sam Wrestling podcast, the second podcast of the week that comes out every Thursday only for the shills at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. I want to see Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair main event night one of WrestleMania. The only reason that match wouldn't main event night one of WrestleMania is because of the story. And I don't think we're at a main event level story yet. I... I'm optimistic. I think we can get there. I think we can tell a main event story, and it, it, it's not a complicated story. I think Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair have the ability to tell a main event story, to, to to tell a story that correctly illustrates the true importance of this match. I think that this once this match gets in the ring, I think it's going to be a match people talk about for a long time. I think it has the potential to be one of those landmark matches. I think that that this match has the potential to be something that people talk about for years. But as of now, as of today when I record this podcast, it won't be the story going into this match that people talk about. And that's a shame. And it doesn't have to be that way. But we got a couple SmackDowns before WrestleMania. So who knows? Maybe we could change it up. And if we don't, I mean, I'm still going to be excited for the match. It's just, you know, you can make me excited right now as opposed to waiting until WrestleMania when I actually see that it's happening in front of my face. Hey, speaking of happening in front of my face. So famous uh, YouTuber, podcaster, Logan Paul. Gets announced for SmackDown on Friday. And apparently now, according to the internet, is going to be at WrestleMania. The internet says Logan Paul is going to be part of the Kevin owens Sami Zayn match. I love it. I think it's great. I mean, even saying you, like, Logan Paul is a mainstream celebrity at this point. Like, people who don't know YouTubers know who Logan Paul is. He's 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 as mainstream as any other celebrity, I think, you know? I mean, people people know him by name. And even the like people who don't really know know him. They know the Paul brothers, right? Jake Paul was just all over Twitter, uh, over the weekend on Friday. He was all over Twitter because of the press conference uh he did uh before his fight with Ben. What's his name? Askren? something like that. If I got it wrong, people are going to kill me for it. But whatever, you could tweet me. I did an entire podcast once where I got Damian Priest's name wrong the entire time. Luckily, I was complimenting him, but it happens. Nothing scripted here anyway. So, Jake Paul was all over everybody's lips after that after after the press conference. And you know, he's been in he's been in big fights. Logan Paul's been in some big fights, too. So that's to say that the even people who don't really know Logan Paul, they know of the Jake Paul, Logan Paul thing. They might get the two confused. They might not even know there's two of them, but they know who it is. You know, and it's, he's a big, big star. And I'll never, I'll never get mad at big stars being involved in WrestleMania. I'm a little surprised that the Bad Bunny Miz match is a singles match and not a tag match. You know, and I, I think that, look, I think you can make this make sense. I think Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are completely capable of it. I think if Logan Paul were coming into WrestleMania and just having a match with somebody and you've got two weeks to promote it, I think that'd be a little much. But the idea that he's just going to be somehow involved as a referee or enforcer or in somebody's corner or doing something, apparently, in the Kevin Owens Sami Zayn match, if that is true, I think it would ultimately be a, be a good thing. You know, I, I I think that it it elevates. Actually, this isn't the Kevin Owens Sami Zayn match. This is a Kevin Owens Sami Zayn match, and it's at WrestleMania. So why not put a little star power on it? I got no problem with it, and I think uh, I think Logan Paul is a, is a good guy to do it. We got some uh, Hall of Fame names added to the class. Uh, Eric Bischoff, of course, was last week. Um. The week before that, who was the week before that? Going into the 2021 WWE Hall of Fame class, uh, it was, of course, the 2020 classes. Classes: uh, JBL, Batista taken out, the NWO, the Bellas, the British Bulldog, Jushin and Thunder Liger. Um, this time it's it's Eric Bischoff. It's, and these are all going in together, right? Molly Holly was the first person. Uh, Then this week it was confirmed by WWE India at WWE India that the great Khali is going in, which is amazing. I'm assuming Jinder Hall will induct maybe, maybe uh, Dave Kapoor. I don't know. And this is a biggie. It was announced that Kane is going in. I think Kane will probably be the headline class for, 2021, but they'll probably, I don't know if they'll combine them all or not. I think Kane would be the headline though. Kane's a good pick. I'm glad that they're not putting the Undertaker in this year. I wonder if the Undertaker will induct Kane. Probably not. Who would induct Kane? Um, You could have Jerry Lawler induct Kane. You could have X-Pac induct Kane. He'll be there anyway. Uh, You could have Tori induct Kane. Hmm? Daniel Bryan would be good to induct Kane. I would have Daniel Bryan induct Kane. Yeah, I think that would be the right call. Have Daniel Bryan induct Kane, because I don't think we should see The Undertaker back on WWE TV. He was on the bump to announce that Kane was going in. But I don't think we should see The Undertaker back on WWE TV until it's time for him to go in. And I like that he's not being put into the WWE Hall of Fame until they can do it in an arena with full of fans. Because that's going to be the real farewell of The Undertaker. Everybody's like, you know, having The Undertaker's farewell at Survivor Series, no fans, hologram Paul Bear, the whole thing. Like, it was cool, but I, I think there were still people waiting for more. This will be more when The Undertaker finally goes in. Because The Undertaker can go in, he can then get a tribute at WrestleMania, he can then get a tribute the next night on Raw, it can be an entire thing. That can be The Undertaker's real goodbye with fans in the audience. But Kane is an excellent choice to go in. Uh, you know, I, there's very few people who have the longevity that he does, especially somebody that was introduced. Right, Kane. We think about Kane. What's amazing about him is he's introduced. The character of Kane should be short term, regardless. Right, like the Undertaker has a history of people who monsters are brought in, the Undertaker takes them out, and you don't really hear from them again. They just kind of uh, fade away. Even Kamala in the WWE. I mean, Kamala had a huge long run before the Undertaker was there in the 80s. He left for a while. He came back. But once the Undertaker beat him, you know, he was around for a little bit after that. He turned babyface for a hot second, but he was pretty much gone after that because that was it. Business was over. Giant Gonzalez. There's a whole thing. I mean, Yokozuna, really. Once the Undertaker beat him in that coffin match, we get into 95. And that's kind of the end of Yokozuna being in major, major main events. You know, he's in the tag with Owen Hart and everything. And there, there were other uh, ramifications, I guess. Yoko gaining weight and everything. But, man, I could do a whole another. I love Yokozuna so much. What a beast. What a beast. 93 and 94. Woo! Yoko was a beast. One of the best ever. Still underrated. <laughs> I love that I always end up talking about Yokozuna. Um, but, yeah, so Kane could have easily been one of those guys, right, that you, he comes in and hell in a cell. They work until WrestleMania. The Undertaker beats him at WrestleMania. They do the Inferno match. And after the Inferno match, you could have seen Kane fade away. But, you know, the team starts building between Undertaker and Kane. Uh, then Kane starts to become a little bit more human with X-Pac, and you know, just the, watching Kane's character evolve, and and you know, ebbs and flows, and more evil, less evil, more human, less human. Over the years, it's an amazing, amazing thing. You know, Kane has, has, has created a, a pretty incredible legacy, as far as characters go. For me, you know, given my age, I remember The Undertaker's entire career before Kane. There are a lot of I mean, Kane debuted October of 1997, right? So you don't have to be old. If you're 25, if you're 25 years old, you weren't alive before Kane was wrestling. If you're 30, that puts you, what, in 91 you would have been born, right? 91 to 2001 to 2011. So if you're 30, You were born in 91. That means when you were first born, The Undertaker was still, was already wrestling. He was already in WWE. When Kane debuts, if you're born in 91, you're six, maybe five. You're either five or six years old. You could be 30 years old now. Man, I'm old. And still, Kane would mean just as much to you as The Undertaker does because of how long because of his legacy and because of of the career that he established outside of The Undertaker. It's an amazing thing, and and Kane's got so many great moments. I hope Daniel Bryan puts him in, and I'm looking forward to his speech. Uh, Also, the heavy, heavy rumor, and I don't even know, is that Rob Van Dam is the last name that's going to get mentioned. I guess WWE didn't officially announce it, but every website said that Rob Van Dam was going into the Hall of Fame this year. And then Paul Heyman posted a picture where he was doing the two thumbs to himself you know, whole effing show RVD. And he said, guess whose Hall of Fame video package I'm filming right now. And so that's kind of like, okay, Rob Van Dam's going in. And good for Rob Van Dam. I mean, that's a big pat on the back to Paul Heyman because let's be honest, there weren't that many characters. The Rob Van Dam character, the Rob Van Dam that's going into the Hall of Fame, the Rob Van Dam that achieved notoriety in WWE and TNA, everywhere that he went, really was created and established in ECW. The WWE version of Rob Van Dam is not a different beast than Rob Van Dam in ECW. They just took that character and brought him over. And there's not almost anybody that was able to go from being a main eventer in ECW to being a main eventer in WWE to being a main eventer in TNA. That, that's ECW Rob Van Dam going into the Hall of Fame as far as I'm concerned. There's really not much difference. So assuming that's true, I'm super, as an ECW fan, It's freaking amazing. It's unbelievable. Hopefully, Rob Van Dam signs a new merch deal with WWE since he's going into the Hall of Fame. We get a bunch of of Rob Van Dam figures out of the deal. And if you're asking who should induct Rob Van Dam into the Hall of Fame, very easy question. Bill Alfonso. And that speech, that induction speech, he should cut it right down the middle, daddy. Fonzie inducts Rob Van Dam into the Hall of Fame. All right, guys. Let's get into it. Big interview day here on Not Sam Wrestling. Now, again, this is not a lengthy interview. I think in total, it's like 12 minutes long. So strap in and enjoy it. We're going to post the video at youtube.com slash Wrestling. the same place you'll be able to find the video version of this week's podcast, youtube.com slash wrestling. Uh, but, I mean, what can you say about Stone Cold Steve Austin? I got the chance to talk to Stone Cold Steve Austin because he's out in the world promoting Tide's hashtag turn to cold movement. Tide is trying to get people to wash their clothes in cold water using Tide detergent. See, when you wash your clothes in cold water, you can save up to $150 a year. You can use 90% less energy. You get vibrancy in your clothes, no shrinkage. Save the planet and do it with Tide. It's great. And if you're going like, well, why should I use Tide? And why should I use cold water? Because Stone Cold said so. Why do you think? So anyway, here he is. I mean, it's so cool that I even get to say this. It never, when I think about surreal experiences, I think about, I mean, sitting in Stone Cold Steve Austin's house and doing his podcast. And this was early on when Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast was kind of first getting going. I think it was in the first year of the podcast being out and, you know, becoming successful and charting on iTunes and, you know, our heyday. And, like, being invited to do that was so mind-blowing. Do you know, I flew from New York to Los Angeles and stayed at a friend, a, stayed at the house of a friend of a friend without a concrete date. I went out there for, like, yeah, we could do it this week. And I was like, okay, I'll go out there that week. And I went out there, just was like, okay, I'll I'll nail Stone Cold down once I get there because he invited me to do the podcast, but he hadn't given me a full-on date. And I was like, well, fuck it. I'm buying a plane ticket. And I bought a plane ticket. I found a couch to sleep on. And I I I mean, I got the, the the confirmed date and sitting in his house and talking, just chopping it up with him about wrestling. Just one of the greatest things you could do to the point now. And I mean, you can see it. I posted... The first part of this interview on my Instagram and on my Twitter and a comedian friend of mine, Jeremiah Watkins, he pointed out that you can see the smile on my face as I'm introducing this guy. Stone Cold Steve Austin is the greatest WWE superstar of all time. And he's my guest on not Sam wrestling this week. Can you believe it? I can't enjoy. Here he is. The Texas rattlesnake.
0: The not Sam wrestling interview.
1: Well, as I live and breathe, here for the hashtag turn to cold movement from Tide, ladies and gentlemen, Stone Cold Steve Austin. What's the haps?
2: What is the haps, Sam? I'm doing good. How about you? It's good to see you, you old rascal.
1: <laughs> I'm good, man, and I'm happy for you. You're you're you got some of that Tide money. You're spreading the word about washing your laundry in, in cold water. And I was I was happy. Because you know sometimes you uh, we do these interviews and and uh, people are, are you know they're promoting certain projects and you go, I don't know how I'm going to tie this in to this person, but the first thing that I thought of when I thought of you and being a laundry expert is who would you say in your career is the superstar that you think you would have loved to have been around to impart some wisdom on how to maybe properly launder their gear? Who do you think? Who do you think needed some more of that Tide in the old gear bag?
2: Man, I don't want to name any names because, like, I was telling somebody else sometimes, when you're on the road, those guys with those body suits and stuff like that it can get kind of funky. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you, you, you sweat and you just pack your stuff up in a bag. Then you get a chance to air out and just on the road. I used to just because I got covered in so much beer, I just rinse out my trunks in the sink and just hang them up. So I was <laughs> I was pretty good. But when they came to me with this campaign, it was like everything comes full circle because we grew up using Tide my whole life. Me being just a, a guy's guy. And I don't know how you are, but I've always washed in cold water anyway. <laughs> so when they said, hey, man, we're going to have uh, this spot to convince people to watch, you know, their laundry in cold water i said i'm your guy because <laughs> it helps prolong your t shirts sammy it yeah Cuts on your energy bill and it saves you money and i'm one of the cheapest guys in the history of the business <laughs> i'm all about saving money and i know a thing about t-shirts or two because i've sold a few of them so take care of your t-shirts wash your stuff in cold water
1: i mean do you know how much money some of those original Austin shirts go for on the vintage market. Now, do you know if people were washing in cold water, they could keep that black black. And it, I mean, they'd be, they'd, they'd be millionaires.
2: I'll do a quick story for you. My, my niece is in law school in New York city and she was at a vintage t-shirt shop. And she goes, Hey, cause she found one of my shirts. So I, the shirt was going for like 175 bucks or something. It was insanity. And she goes, uh if, if I can prove to you that this is my uncle on this t-shirt, will you will you give me anything off of it? <laughs> so she called me on the phone. And I, the lady gave her like 20, 25% off on it. 25 But I can't <laughs> believe that my shirts are selling for that kind of money in the color of the vintage t-shirt store. It might as well be an antique store for God's sake. <laughs> but it's cool.
1: But that is true, man. I thought of you when it was like, you know, you got to keep your, your, your colors vibrant. I was like, I don't know if vibrant is the word, but there's there's got to be nothing worse than putting a black pair of trunks in the washing machine and them coming out all gray and beady.
2: Dude, I used to wash all my stuff separate when I came off the road because it was so beer infested that it would infuse with everything else. So I just kept it separate, and I still have a pair of boots. I mean, my last pair of wrestling boots are just so crumpled up because I haven't worn them in years. But through all of the soakings, that leather is just demolished, and they're kind of. Uh, I leave them like that. I could put some. Uh, leather treatment on there or whatever trying to bring them back to life but they 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 look like they've been through war and indeed they have from stomping so many mud holes and people and walking them dry sam
1: i remember i was there i saw every single one of them what do you think was the what do you think was the, the 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 toughest wash in the career are we thinking going back to wrestlemania 13 and trying to get some of that blood out are we going into the grocery store with booker t and price checks on jackasses are we are we just going with the traditional beer baths where you're where you're swimming in beer i used that meme the other day i was texting somebody to celebrate and i found stone cold swimming in the middle of the ring in in, in beer and i was like yeah that's-. <laughs>
2: that's some of the stupid things we did that <laughs> day we had a blast probably you know that you know after 13 there was all kinds of stuff you know from from the carnage that was caused you know that,
1: that that would have been a pretty
2: good washout right there. I bet. I put Tide to the test, and Tide passed.
1: I <laughs> will bet. Hey, speaking of wisdom, you know one of the things I like about you is uh is is your the 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 love that you have for the business, and and that comes through. I think I was watching the Broken Skull session with Randy Orton, and I just I loved it, man. I loved it because I felt like Randy was was telling his story kind of as much as you can do warts and all in that format. And I thought it was just super engaging. I love that it went long. What, what what was your impression of Randy Orton after that interview?
2: So impressed with how charismatic and personable he was. And just, I mean, I, I've just really had a connection with that guy. And I barely know Randy. I was kind of almost on my way out when he came in. And, you know, I was kind of doing my own thing. I've always been a loner. So we never, cha- we never hung out, you know, and like, you know, I think I would kind of, you know, through the years said, that, you know, the guy's a great worker, but his promos really aren't there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right now, as you know, his promos are just killing people. I mean, just their lights out. So he went from being always a great worker to now one of the best promos that there is going and has been. So I'm super proud of the guy, but hanging with him, very magnetic, very charismatic and I it really caught me off guard how magnetic and charismatic he is. I'm so proud of that guy and what a, what a run he's had.
1: Speaking of being a loner, I feel like you're pretty you're a, a, as much of a private guy as an icon on your level can be. Everybody knows who you are, but you know, I think you're careful about how much you let people in and and all of that. So I'm very interested to see uh what A&E does with you on this biography that they have coming out for, for, for you, have you seen it or, or, you know, what, what are you, what are you feeling about it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they let me see a cut of it. And when they first approached me about it, I was kind of reticent. I was like, man, with the guy from WWE, I was talking to him, man, I said, I've done, you know, these things, man, you guys have made a bunch of DVDs on me. And I'm saying, Hey man, they, they want to do you, you know, even if you don't want to be a part of it, they're going to do you. <laughs> I said, well, Hey, I'm going to be a part of it. But man, though those guys, the the interviewer and the guys that were shooting it were just magnificent. They sent a killer team down there to do it. And, you know, I thought maybe I should watch a bunch of my old stuff. So I'd have some fresh answers, but I didn't. And I guess I'm looking back at it through a little bit different lens now, Sam. Mm-hmm. And, and and there's some stuff in there that I open up about that I've never shared to anybody. So, you know, there's some of it's same old, same old, but there, there's a lot of stuff in there that I've never said before, and I'm cool with it, and I wanted to share with people. So uh, I, I loved it, and I hope everybody else enjoys it. I, I think it's going to air here in a couple of weeks.
1: I would imagine when it comes to washing gear, the vests were probably not the easiest thing in the world to clean because that's leather and metal, is it, right?
2: Correct. That was melted glue, actually. Huh. Terry Anderson, the amazing seamstress, yep. made all those vests for me. So I never washed the vest. I might wipe them down or something like that, but those were leather, and those that was dried glue that, that she crafted. So it was basically just trunks, you know, under trunks and socks and stuff like that. And every now and then I'd rinse the boots off, but I I never threw a vest in the washing machine.
1: Do you have a favorite of the vests? Because, you know, I think people kind of take those for granted, but I I always loved how much kind of secret messaging and coding there was on the initials and on the, there was was a story I felt like every time a new vest came out.
2: Yeah, there was. And, you know, uh, you know, whether it's a DTA or an SOB or three, one, six, or uh, whatever it was, and I remember when I wrestled The Rock for the last time, You know that was an OMR, and that was one more round. Mm-hmm. And that was because that was my last match. And I remember uh, I gave that vest to a kid, a young man now. Uh, he wasn't doing so good back then. I gave him that vest after that match. And so uh, I'll never get it back, but I still have. I, when I was in uh, Houston in uh, Herman Hospital for three days with a staph infection right before I wrestled Kane in that first blood match, Yeah. Uh, Keddy just got hit by a car. I gave him my one of my vests there because we were kind of like splitting a room together. And uh, but I've, I've got all the other ones, and so oh, that's great. Uh, as soon as I get unpacked, we built a studio out here in my shop, so I'm going to display them out there. But uh, the, the vest always the, the vest meant a lot to me because they were a work in progress, and finally, I, I had that look you know, you don't we'll just walk out there. I'll never forget in WrestleMania 15 uh my mind was in a different place going through a divorce and i forgot my vest and i had to walk out in a freaking t-shirt <laughs> you you want to wear t-shirts when it's time to sell a t-shirt but you don't want to w- wear a t-shirt to the ring in the biggest night of the year against you know one of the greatest performers in the history of the business the rock and look like a jay bro so <laughs> you know there i was in philly walking out in my freaking t-shirt but yeah man the vest mean a lot to me because it took me a while to put together that total package which was the look, the hair, the goatee, everything for Stone Cold.
1: Last question, because I know you got a lot on your plate. When we talk about WrestleMania matches and we talk about vests and we talk about The Rock, the WrestleMania match where The Rock puts your vest on and then you guys just keep going with with the match, was there a moment where you're thinking to yourself, How long are you gonna leave that vest on, Rock? <laughs>
2: Hell, I thought it looked pretty good on him.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, another thing with The Rocks, dude, we, we we freelanced and had so many ad-lib things in there and tr- had so much trust and love and respect for each other that anything and everything was fair game because it was all about putting on a show for the people and elevating e- each other to the highest level that we
1: could. Well, get out there and hashtag turn to cold from Tide, you could save up to $150 a year and use 90% less energy washing all your clothes. We're talking your blacks will stay black. Your your trunks aren't going to shrink up in the wash anymore because that's a nightmare. Uh, and look, Stone Cold's not going to steer any of us wrong when it comes to laundering or anything else, right?
2: Turn to cold, Sam. Turn to cold and use Tide. And that's the bottom line. Why? cause Stone Cold said so
1: thank you Steve Austin I always appreciate it man Sammy it's
2: always a pleasure to talk to you I'll talk to you soon you got it thanks Steve I'll see you on the last one okay
1: thanks man thanks Sammy appreciate it
2: you too thanks for listening follow at NotSam on Twitter Instagram Facebook and YouTube
0: great review and subscribe this has been not sam wrestling Wrestling. introducing guinness nitro cold brew coffee beer blending the smooth creamy nitro taste of guinness with hints of coffee chocolate and caramel guinness nitro cold brew coffee beer your new favorite part of the day look for it where guinness is sold must be 21 and over to purchase please enjoy responsibly diageo beer company new york new york whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance that's why i'm excited that unified healing is sponsoring podcasts on the blue wire network